Veteran Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. And good morning, gardening friends. Great to be here on this fabulous spring day. And the whole team is back together finally. Bev Daring, John Glidden. And when you call in today, you will be speaking with the lovely Bev on 94841927. And our researcher and chief chef, John Glidden, is standing by to help us out. And uh, if you do call in in the next hour, you're going to have a lot more opportunity to chat and uh utilise Faye's brains and her expertise and her, her, her wisdom. And she's sitting here at the moment sorting out the floristry. It's spread across. We should, I wish we had a, a, if, wish a we camera in here. I wish we were live <laughs> and people could see uh, that you've spread across all these pickings of flowers because I wanted to talk about flowers, so Faye's brought in flowers for me to talk about. Very kind of you. And because we're off to the fair afterwards. We are. I knew that there's no point bringing you a lovely bunch of flowers because they'd be sitting in the car. This is so true. I brought a selection, Ray. Oh, my word. All right. And and not forgetting the dynamic duo this morning, Chris Bartlett, Mark Carlton. They certainly set the pace in today's breakfast program, followed by our cycling DJ, Jim Crinan, for his update. And Jim returns at 10 a.m. with the classic 70s as well. So... It's been a wet week. We've had quite a drop of rain. We were sitting on around seven mils last Saturday morning. It's now 42.2. Wow, that yeah, is good and it's news. only the 10th of September and last year we got 62.2. So this, And with the rain coming, I think the forecasting was at 15 mils in the next Monday, Tuesday, we're going to smash that. So this is great, great news for, for all of us and certainly for our garden so it's nice to have a few sunny days and I can handle a few you know the few wet days and it's uh it's it's quite lovely to have that it's good to be able to get out there throw a bit of food around yeah. trim up a few things mm. pull out weeds people weeds, if you haven't weeds, been waiting get out there and and weed go, go for gold because mm. they are just coming on full steam ahead and yeah. so for the next month uh, pull out your weeds and keep pulling out your weeds. Yeah, absolutely. The number one priority at the moment. Now, at 20 past eight, we're chatting with Maddie Bradley. Now, she's a horticulturalist and we're learning a little bit more about what's on at King's Park and a subject that I think is really interesting, growing native plants in containers. So even if you have a courtyard, you can still have one or two, you know, up to you, native plants growing. And I think that's really a really interesting subject and um, I think a lot of people will be interested in that. I know that I am. And we'll learn a little bit more about the different workshops going on at King's Park as well as uh, the King's Park Festival starting as well. And Kieran Kelly, 5 past 9, he is the horticulturalist from Hort Plan and chair of Open Gardens WA. I, I want to say chairman or chairperson, but Faye assures me it's chair of Open Gardens WA. And we're learning about how to prune like a pro. 
the why, the when, the how, and when not to, and also about tools of the trade. As well, well, he's a knowledgeable little man, is our Kieran. Yes. Well, I went shopping this week, Ray. Oh, did you? Fancy yes. that. <laughs> well, well, how many dresses and shoes did you buy? You know. <laughs> I knew you were <laughs> yeah. going to do that. Yeah. Piffed, piffed, piffed. No, I'd piffed. rather go to a hardware store. You I know, absolutely you know that. I know. Picked up some new lavenders because I've got gaps to fill and I, I wanted I'm, something that's I'm eyeballing lavenders at the summer. moment. Yeah. Oh. Well, yeah. look, these beautiful fairy winged Pretty, flowers, they? pinks and purples. And I, I was tizzing up one of the garden beds near the front entrance. And this bed's probably about six metres by 10 metres. Mm. And it's full of shrubs and trees. And I've got calenchoes along the front, which are these beautiful bell flowers and they're yes. just they're stunning apricot flowers the they're, lavender scallop they're mm. they're about 60 centimeters across mm. at least yep. and i've got they multiples are. of them across the, the front they're and then beautiful dotted in between i've got daisies and there's some stock which give off a beautiful perfume yeah. uh, there's some strappy type plants dietes Ah, yes. Hippiastrums. Yes, yeah. Hippiastrums. There might even be a clivia or two. Uh, and your hippies cycle. aren't flowering, are they? No. no. I, I sent away this week for some new hippie bulbs, actually. Ooh, did you? Yeah, what I are did. you getting? Uh, I'm getting two. They're reds, actually. I'm going for two different types of reds. Yeah, one's, yeah, two different styles, actually, with a flower. So oh, nice. one's a quite an expensive one so I better make sure I look after it well because you buy one big fat bulb and uh, he's going to turn into lots of bulbs in due course so they should arrive this week hopefully and uh, yeah I do like I think with the hippies they are such a showy flower anyway it doesn't matter what colour you have but I rather like the reds when I've seen them I think they're absolutely show stopping mm. so they stand out don't they mm. and um, yeah they're very much one of my fave flowers and they're just so easy and in the ground or in a pot I like them in pots actually yeah and then of course you've got the lovely green strappy leaves for the rest of the year as well so mm. it's just just nice so yeah I haven't I can't say I've been in a nursery in the last week or have I <laughs> probably yeah. not probably not but uh, I can still do damage online you know and, I, and I've been cracking the whip with my other half he's been digging holes in the ground and I said to him I've got a one more job for you out the front. He goes, does it involve digging and hole? <laughs> well, only a little one, only a little one. That's what I tell him anyway. So, you know, you just got to um, coax them along, don't you? And then Encourage once I get him. them out mm. there, all hell breaks loose. Oh, and this and one more thing. And and can you pull this out for me? So I have been cracking the whip. Poor man. No. Good to hear. Yes. Good to hear. Yes. Yes. Well, I've had Eddie hanging a door and moving cars and we've had the painters in <laughs> and the got- tree loppers. You've got um, crazy stuff going on in your mm. house. Yeah. So all for a worthy cause, though. You uh, wouldn't want too many of your daughters to get married too often, would you? But imagine <laughs> what everything is going to look like eventually because you're just going all out. Every job that needs to be done is getting done. Come Christmas, you're going to sit back with a glass of champagne and go, ha. Huh. Oh, it's going to be amazing. Rab- um, Christmas time will be rabbit trapping time because I've Ooh. managed to track down someone who can help me deal with my feral rabbits yeah. and and it looks promising starting December. So it'll be, I'll be targeting my feral animals. Oh, <laughs> well, okay, I have how, to, I've been targeting How romantic weeds. of you. I'm talking about <laughs> Christmas and everything being gorgeous and oh. you're going to be out there, um, yeah, killing rabbits. How nice. Well, yeah, I understand. Mm. Well, know, Ray, they do a lot of they're eating, they're worse than caterpillars. They eat yeah. a heck of a lot more 
and they just don't belong where they are. The little blighters, mm. dare I say, have been up near my pavilion at the back of the house, like just off the veranda. Going That's for gold. not okay. Mm. Eating, you know, they eat the native orchids. The yeah, you've got nothing da- left. You know, critically endangered ones. Um, yeah, I know. Hundreds of dollars worth of plants. Here yeah. I am planting for a wedding, and, and they're then coming they in come along me. and they're chomping their way through. Oh, I, totally, I do get it. I do get it. It's, it's just not okay on my watch. Not okay. I know. It's just I'm. I'm. Yeah. I love my animals. So it's it's it's. You, you, I feel torn, but I'm not living on a property either. Mm. We have lots of rabbits up where I live, mind you, because there's a lot. We refer to an island adjacent to where I live, and there's loads of rabbits up there. They just. Mm. It's wrong. It's mm. just so wrong. It's like weed wattles, and you know, mm. a lot of people don't understand the the damage that the wrong things in the wrong place can do. can do. Quite right. Now, speaking of hippie astrums, <laughs> ooh, we're heading to Kelmscott. Brenda, hi. Hi there. How are you, Brenda? Oh, um, a little bit concerned. You mentioned happy astrums, and funny enough, I was going to ask you about that. I've got um, them in between the chameleon roses all the way down the side of my garden that has an awful lot of sun. Are they not good in too much sun? No, they, they, seem to... they, like, they like sun, yeah. Do they? Yeah, because yeah, it, it doesn't get much shade, no. No, I think that's fine. I I think they like a little bit of protection. They don't like, Uh you know, being in full windy, you know, in a windy spot. Oh, well, a little bit of protection. No, they're in the back garden and it's got fencing. It's against the fence and the the gate. That's certainly a sunny position. Absolutely. So that's all right then. Oh, I think I made the mistake. I buried them too deep. Ah, (laughs) yes. I didn't realise you were supposed to have the neck. That's right, yes. Yes. Is it how long ago did you plant them? Oh, yes. But, oh, I see. But, uh, I did move them around and then, then well, I had to split them actually. Yeah. They were doing well and now they didn't do so well once I split them and put them around and I didn't realise that you had to have the yes. neck on the surface. Yeah. So that's probably why. Yeah, yeah. Um, Is it, can, yeah. You, can you dig them out again and re... Oh, yeah, I have. <laughs> oh, I see. I just, I just checked with you that, that they're all right for full sun because I thought if they're not too good for full sun, I'd better put them somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Well, how, how, that's the, all right. how have they been doing, Brenda, other than not flowering? Oh, well, they were flowering at one time okay. until they all kind of multiplied and then I, I carefully uh, split them up and gave some to a friend and then, of course, I buried them. Ah. And I buried them too deep because <laughs> they've never been too very, very good since, obviously, because I didn't do the right thing. So I, I'm all right putting them. Now I've replanted them with the neck showing they should be covered, do you think? The neck up out of the ground and the top of yeah. the bulb out of the ground. Yep, they should be yeah. right. Yeah, so I will live in hopes then. And another thing, I, I, in the front garden, has only I have uh, ro- more roses and I have an azalea that I've had for, oh, I'd say 20, 30 years, and all of a sudden it's died. Is it because natural old age? It has morning sun, not afternoon. It's under the eaves, so it gets the shade from the eaves. And... Um, it's died. I don't know whether because we had that severe frost and then the intense heat all of a sudden. I don't know. Well, when did but, it? When did it actually die? 
Well, now I'm just looking in. It's just looking as if it's dying. Okay. <laughs> All its if, leaves has gone. <laughs> if it's under the eaves, then yeah. maybe it hasn't been getting the water that it needs. But if it's that old, you you tend to think that plants just keep going because they're well established and their roots are down. If the leaves are really awful, what I would do is give it a cutback, maybe just a third. Yeah, and I did. I've just just what I've done. I thought, well, I'll just check with you. But then I find rose that I've had thirty years also looks at our bed. So I don't know whether it's because we've had that really severe weather this year. I don't know. Well, I've had them a years. Unless it's dead, dead uh, frost will set it back but it will come come back again i'd also look around in the ground see if you haven't got a painter who's tip turps there or you know some something a little bit obscure may have happened to Uh upset them if anyone's been there with glyphosate and any drift has gotten on Uh the leaves oh uh, yes well i had a person that said, oh, your weeds need spraying. And I said, well, be careful. Because I'm one of those that kind of tends to pull them up in preference to spraying. Right. And uh, he'd done it a couple of times because he said, oh, you've got a lot of... I said, oh, be careful. Oh, they don't... It doesn't affect the plants. It does affect the plants, doesn't it? Well, it depends what he sprayed. Uh, Now, mm, well, that's... That might be your answer. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's glyphosate, there's fusillade for for velt grasses, uh, which won't affect roses and azaleas, but glyphosate or Roundup sure will. Sure will, yes, mm. definitely. Yeah, I bet it, I think it was just, what, the G one you said. Oh. <laughs> okay, yeah. right. Well, if he's got that on the leaves, uh, yeah. Yeah, the best thing you can do is cut it back and the damage That's is the done, best. it may come back. You'll just have to wait and see. Patience, Brenda. Okay. Yeah, okay. Good luck. <laughs> Thanks for your Thank call. Thank you very much. Okay, bye. bye. Cheers, Brenda. Okay, let's head to Yanship and we're talking about clover seed. Gary, good morning. Yeah, good morning, ladies. Yeah, I got uh, a couple of buckets of clover and going into seed in varying stages can I fill those buckets up with water to kill the seed? Because I'm hoping I can use the clover in my clover. Uh Yes, that, that is exactly how you make weed tea. And if you leave it long enough, it will break down. It will destroy the seeds and, and you can pour the nutrient goodies back over the garden or lawn, Gary. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. Easily pleased. Thank you. <laughs> right. thank you. Okay. Uh, on, on that note, yeah. weed tea is very good for the garden. And actually, I saw John Bain during the week and he suggested when he's weeding, he has a, a few buckets around and he just drops the weeds in there. Then he leaves them. Then the rains come and fills them up. Easy peasy, you've made weed tea mm. that can go back onto the garden. Yeah. The only thing is the longer you leave it, the more stinks. it stinks. It and really it can does. be so rank, you get yeah, it on very your skin, rank. you can't get away from can't yourself. You just saw your arm off mm. yeah, to get rid of it. Oh, my. All right, let's head to Yanjabak. Charlie, you'd like to talk about garlic? Good morning, ladies. Morning, morning. Charlie. Um, now, uh, last week I was looking at my garlic, it looked a little bit sad, you know, and I go close to it 
And I've got all these black aphids all oh. over it, you know. Yes. And it's a lot of it's uh, wilted and water. Okay. Uh, There's, yeah, you are not alone. Uh, you can get sprays that will ward them off. Um, things like beta bug, eco oil are good for aphids. You can go along and strip them off with your fingers and squash them or hose them off with just a jet of water. Most of them won't come back. Uh, if it was something like garlic chives chives, or that, that sort of uh, plant, then I would cut them at ground level and let them come on again. You don't really want to do that with garlic because it's a single stem and come yeah. October you'll be letting that die down. So... Whatever your preference is, um, like I've just said, spray them off with a jet of water or you could make up your own uh, white oil spray and spray them. I, I myself would just go the jet of water and my fingers. There were, yeah, but there's so many on them. On them mm. uh, I've got uh, white, oil, white oil or pest oil. Is that okay? Yes, yes, perfect. Okay, thanks very much, ladies. All right, Have you're welcome, day. Charlie. You too. Okay. Bye, Bye for now. All right, we're going to have a quick break. When we return, we're chatting with Maddie Bradley. She's a horticulturalist from the Kings Park Botanic Gardens. Radio. Happy to have your company this morning. This is Let's Talk Gardening. As promised, we are having a chat this morning with Maddie Bradley. We're going to learn about growing native plants in containers. Really looking forward to our chat. Maddie, good morning. You're with Ray and Faye. Good morning. Pleasure to speak with you. Good morning. And what a lovely yes. job you have in Kings Park as your office. I do. I'm very privileged, I think. Uh, so, Maddie, tell us about what you do. Uh, so, my daily tasks are looking after the plants in the garden around the Pulgala family area. So, it's a lot of weeding, watering, pruning. Uh, and then we've just finished up our planting season, so it's been very busy lately. What what sort of things have you been planting? Uh, in the last couple of weeks, we've put in all of our annuals, so the um, favourite everlastings and the little yellow shonia. Yes. Um, but prior to that, we did all of our perennials. Uh, and we had, I think some of my favourite were um, the verticordia that we've just recently put in uh, and a lot of the small eucalyptus species. Oh. I think they're my favourite. Yes, they're, they're beautiful. And so many different varieties varied and, and the flowers are amazing. They are, they are. And you can see a lot of the flowers just starting to open up now, which is just amazing. Such a pleasure. So, Maddie, tell us what are your tips for planting a container garden? Yes. Well, I think that probably the most important tip that I could share is to pick the right plant for your space mm. rather mm. than trying to make a plant work where you'd like it. Yes. So making sure that you have the right sun requirements, that you have enough time to water them correctly and... Um, making sure it's not going to outgrow your space or underperform if it's a smaller plant and you've got a big space. So what are some of the plants that do really well in pots? Uh, I think you can get away with a lot of uh, Australian natives in pots. 
I like the um, eucalyptus cruciana or the book leaf mallee, which is a small eucalyptus with um, blue, grey, oval-shaped leaves and it has these beautiful yellow flowers that come out in the springtime. Yes, that's and a another. It's amazing. And another favourite that I have is the uh, Banksia pulchella, the tassel Banksia. It's a little bit harder to find in the shops, but um, a lot of native nurseries are starting to carry it. And it, it has the most petite, little, yellow, fluffy Banksia flowers that I absolutely adore. Mm, that sounds gorgeous. And not one I've heard of. Going back to that first no. one again, Maddie, because I am writing them down as well. What was the first one? Uh, Eucalyptus cruziana. Cruziana. So with a K. Ah. Yeah, or it's also known as the bookleaf mallee. Okay, bookleaf mallee. I, I shall check that out. So, yeah, I would highly recommend okay, it. Okay, wonderful. And what's a good companion in that pot? I think uh, growing a lot of the Australian native annuals is really fun for the base of your pot. Uh, they that you get a lot of different seasonal colours and you can try different combinations each year. Uh, otherwise, I really enjoy a lot of um, kind of ground cover plants, your um, little hemiandras or even a small aromophila yeah. um, can be amazing at the base. But I, I would encourage everyone to play around with different colours and textures and uh, find something that you really like. So give me a couple of ideas for, like, your bang for buck flowers and colour. You know, some some of the, the ground covery ones, the flowers are a little bit sparse and they're hit and miss for me. I'm, I'm looking for something that's going to really add some wow colour. Wow factor. Mm. Well, there are a lot of uh, scovola cultivars that have been created that have amazing cover of flowers. And you can get a variety of different colours. I know uh, Scavola Purple Fanfare has yeah. these beautiful fan-shaped purple flowers. And that's like uh, ground cover, so it can be grown in the bottom of a pot. Otherwise, um, something like your Rodantha Corocephala, which is the um, pink everlasting that everyone loves. Yes, You can yep. find the seed pretty readily um, in most nurseries now. And... Um, you just get an amazing show all spring. Very, very good. And what goes in the pot to plant out our... We go off to the nursery and we, we purchase our, our new native plants. How do we... What's the next move? Well, I would recommend uh, that you use uh, soil that's well-draining and has just a little bit of fertiliser in there, but you don't want to use anything that's high in phosphorus. A lot of our natives... Um, tend to like a lower phosphorus level fertilizer. Yeah. Mm. yeah, so I would recommend you can buy um, a native potting mix specifically for your natives. Yeah. And that's probably your best bet. The other thing that you can use to increase the drainage is add a little bit of perlite into the potting mix. Yeah, great. Tip. Um, and you, yeah, you don't need very much, probably just about 10, maybe 10% of um, the total volume of the pot and yeah. just mix that through the soil so that it's um, well combined and then you're ready to go. 
That sounds very very easy, very simple. <laughs> it is, it is. You don't you don't have to think too hard. It, it can be very easy and very simple, just like a, a lot of your um, traditional pot plants and arrangements. Just buy the native potting mix, um, add a little bit of perlite, and you're ready to go. Okay, so the next thing is how do we look after them? Yeah. Pruning, feeding, and watering, the big one. Yes. So I would recommend that for fertilising, it's probably best to um, do a little bit of fertilising more regularly. So your native potting mix is going to come with a slow-release fertiliser already combined. And you can use um, uh, something like a sea sole and a power feed to kind of um, top that up. But just using small amounts every couple of weeks if you have your annuals in there and um, your perennials won't need as much fertilizer so you can kind of do that every couple of months Um, and i would also recommend not to over fertilize they're usually pretty happy with um, the bare minimum yeah and what about pruning when would you prune them Uh, The best time to prune is usually after flowering. That's a a great time to prune, take off those old flower buds. Um, Anything that looks like not very healthy, dead um, branches or leaves, you can prune those off. And then also um, at the less stressful times of the year, in the the autumn and spring, would be best for pruning. Um, In that hot summer, your plant is usually under a lot of stress. So just leave it alone and let it be during those times. For sure. All right. That sounds yeah. great. Thanks, Maddie. And tell us about the workshops yeah. that you're offering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Kings Park is offering a wide variety of workshops throughout the festival this year. So that's starting um, from the 16th and running until the 30th of September. Um, there on most weekends and you can find the uh, list of workshops from the friends uh, that sorry the everlasting kings park festival website and i'll be running the natives for nooks workshop which is going to talk more about australian natives in pots and that'll be friday the 23rd from 4 30 p.m very good what else do we need to know, Ray? The, the um, website address, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So how do people have to register or book, don't they, for these workshops? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you just purchase a ticket. It's at the kingsparkfestival.com.au. Oh, that's easy. You Kings- that online. Yep. Yeah, okay. No, we've got that. I think we encourage everyone to certainly not only get along to these workshops, but obviously get up to Kings Park at any time, but certainly during your uh, festival period from the 16th to the 30th of September, which is literally next week. And it's it uh, I've, from all reports I've heard, it's looking amazing up and there. It and is. tell us again, Maddie, what area of the garden do you work in for, for people who are going up to visit yeah. Kings Park? So I work in the Pulgala family area. Pulgala? Pulgala family area, yeah. It's where the Ivy Watson playground is Yes, uh, off Kings Park Road there. Lovely. All right. Be checking that out. How long have you been working yes. at, at Kings Park, Maddie? 
Uh, this is my second year. So I started mm-hmm. last year as a trainee horticulturist. Yeah. And then this year I've been working full time in the botanic gardens. And how much are you loving it? I just can't get enough. (laughs) (laughs) I I would be there every day, honestly. It's beautiful. I really enjoy it. Yeah, you know, well done. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. Well done. And uh, it's, it's it's the ultimate, isn't it, to, for your work is your passion. And uh, it comes it through. Is. It certainly comes through. And, uh, yeah, yeah. The, I, w- I would love to be doing what you're doing. All right, love, thank you so much. We will let you get back to your weekend. Good luck with everything. And uh, we appreciate uh, your time this morning. Thanks, Maddie. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. All right. Look All right, after bye yourself. for now. Bye. Okay, she's really gorgeous, isn't she? That she was is. Maddie Bradley from Kings Park Botanical Gardens. And I think the workshops are really worthwhile, don't you? Well, there's yeah. a lot on. There's something for everyone. And Kings mm. Park, from the photos that I've been seeing coming through on Me Facebook, too. it's just better than ever. Amazing. Better than ever. Absolutely. So, great time to go up there, folks. And I was up at Wireless Hill the other day. Yeah. That is another great place. It, it's just amazing to see these clusters of orchids in the bushland and and the flowers they're so well signposted it's a real pleasure to meet up with other enthusiasts on the paths and the paths are fantastic they're the plants are signposted so you can see what to look out for the bird life is incredible Uh, but the pathways are easy to access for wheelchairs they're lovely and wide and there's viewing areas there's kangaroo paws it's just a wonderful. It's, it's very simple, and you don't need a long time. I think we sort of spent an hour there, yeah. and we went did a bit of a loop, and, and yeah. just beautiful. Yeah. Get out, get out, and have a look, go, folks. Go and do it. And Margaret of Mandra called in, and she's just returned from a wildflower to tour through Minganew. 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 Thank you very much. Uh, three springs, etc., and she recommends if you are thinking of going, you will not be disappointed. Mm. Absolutely amazing. And uh, Carol of Belcatta also phoned in and said, yes, she thought Maddie was very interesting and a delightful young lady. Yes, indeed, she was gorgeous. Well, yeah. young and full you know, of a passion, new, a new career. Because mm. when she sent me the email, she said she was an apprentice. Um, Apprentice trainee, mm. a trainee last year, so she's now a qualified horticulturalist. So, yeah. what a wonderful career! Exactly. <laughs> I don't know how they get any work done up there because when I, when I see people there, exactly. I'm you know working in the garden. I'm yeah. asking them questions. Yeah, and... and I'm sure that's all the time, but they love it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's head out to Bateman. We're chatting about oh, sweet peas. Mary, good morning. Good morning. Um, I've planted some sweet peas. Uh, I've got them uh, in three different lots and they're growing really good. And I got the seeds from my daughter because she grew them last year and they're all so fabulous. The colours were really good. Uh, But mine are all just pink now. Why would that be? Uh, pink and white. The the stronger colour from what has been saved and from the bees moving the pollen around. So, oh, oh, mm. oh, oh, I was a bit disappointed. You know, I thought, <laughs> oh, hers were like the old-fashioned, really lovely colours. So we kept all the seeds and uh, I'm a little bit disappointed. Well, but the, the perfume is still lovely, though. But, it, uh, it might also be that you've picked from the strongest bush, the biggest pods, etc. Um, so when you're picking seeds, like they all, they grow differently. 
So you would pick from a range of different plants. So some of the seed pods might be smaller. If you've sort of grabbed, pulled one lot out of the ground and pulled all the seeds off that one, you've got... Yeah, you've you've got the common colour. They can revert yep. back, and we're hearing more about other plants doing that in the gardens yeah, too. Uh, irises and, and daffodils, and you know they're going back to but, to jonquils because oh. that was the strongest. So a lot of our plants now are hybridised, and that's how they get the variation in colours. Oh, sorry, Mary. I don't know if you're on a mobile. Um, you're the num. You're we're just losing you a little bit there. Sorry, no. It's a bad line. Bad line. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully that helps, Mary. Right. Yeah. They're they're still lovely. I still love the perfume. Nothing like a sweet pea. But, Agreed. Uh, <laughs> well, right. Yes. For that variation in colour, buy some new seeds for next year. I definitely will. Thank okay. you. All right. Thanks, Mary. Bye. Bye. Cheers Bye. for that. Bye. So I'm not sure if it's us or them with those lines. Who don't it sound happened very good. a little bit last it week did too, too, Ray. It did too. Mm. Okay, nine four eight four one nine two seven. Back in a second. Yes, we are here. We just get absolutely carried away on our breaks, don't we, Faye? Well, John so comes much in going with on. lots of information. I'm showing, and I'm <laughs> I'm showing Faye pictures of the piastres that I've <laughs> that I've purchased, and oh, it's it's crazy. It's it's homework. It's you know what it goes it's on behind research. the scenes. You know, you <laughs> you you're doing your due diligence. You're shopping online. You're getting new mm-hmm. varieties. You're growing them, uh, and then you're channeling the information out to our listeners. So I am absolutely. If anyone asks, it's homework. It is, and a total labour of love. All right, we're going straight back out to the lines. We're in Menorah talking about gardenias. Hi, Diana. Oh, good morning. Um, I live in a villa in Menorah, and out the front is a gardenia bush or a tree, really, and it's been there for 21 years. And in the last week, every time I go out, it's just curling up its leaves and it's just all gone brown. Oh, gosh. Well, It's got a little white, almost like a white powder in in between the leaves. Oh, I wonder if if it's got mealybug in it. That's what I thought it might be, and if that's the case, is it the best thing to take it out? No, you can treat mealybug. Uh, I'm afraid of pyrethrum. Pyrethrum, yes. That, that should that. help. How big no. is it? Uh, it? It'd be, what am I? I'm four, four foot eleven. It's taller than me. Yeah. So about five foot something. Okay. My son, my son-in-law uh, got the saw because it's got very big gnarled branches and he got the saw and he cut off the worst one and it still left the base of the tree. But the new shoots that are coming, coming through, they are also um, browning as soon as they come through. Oh, okay. That doesn't sound too good. Well, certainly with mealybug... What I would recommend is pruning out uh, the the bulk of it if you can. So you're removing the infestation and then you have less to deal with. So that will make it easier. 
Mm-hmm. I my first go to would be an eco oil, um, yes. because I know that can be um, it. It can help by covering the surface of the mealy bug. They struggle, but it also helps to bring in the beneficial predators. So there is a a, a ladybird that targets mealy bug, Cryptolamus. Yeah. Montzurii, something along those lines. Uh, it's a mealybug ladybird, and the larvae also target the mealybug. So the eco oil can help bring those predators in. Um, so that's the, you know that's my go-to because it's safer for the environment and the beneficial insects, birds, etc. You yes. can get other sprays that are, are nastier, and you can also get some tablets that go in the ground that are systemic. Um, but I would, I, I'm less likely to use them. So yeah. I'd start with the eco oil. It's organic certified and it will help bring in predators. Right. Now, where my son-in-law has covered back, as I said, it's very old, and some of the, um, some of the branches are as thick as my wrist. That's how old wow. And mm. um, where he cut it back, as I said, any little tiny shoots that are coming through, they're brown. And that's why I thought maybe I'll get him to cut it right at the base. And if it shoots again, it shoots. Mm. And if it doesn't, will it harm anything? Because I've got another gardenia, big gardenia bush that I can put next to where the base of it is and have that grow. Because it's only a little cottage garden out front of the villa. And but I've got a rose bush there too, a standard rose bush that's been there for twenty one years, and that's thriving. Okay, yeah. merely bug can also get into the ground around the roots. That's what I was wondering. Mm. Do you think I should get, um, get it dug out altogether? Be safe. Well, I I would start with the eco oil, and see right. how you go. All right. That and that's the first thing, and then the last resort would be to cut it back even harder. Um, well, as to why the the new shoots are curling up, I I couldn't explain that. I would be looking to to see what else has happened. Uh, how, how else is it cared for, Diana? Is is it fertilised, trace elements, yeah. those types of things? Yeah, when I moved into the villa, which was a year ago, um, it had the garden had been looked after. And I'm, I'm an avid gardener, so I fertilise and I water and, you know, it's reticulated and everything. And I really look up because I love gardenias. But this year, um, oh, look, I would have got only six gardenias off the bush. That's all. And they were even, the leaves, uh, the white leaves were even brownie. Mm. I don't... You can, my, o- you can over-water gardenias. I also wonder oh. if they have... A limited life if it if oh. it is that old I wouldn't have thought so but mm, if up, it's up to about 50 years mm. yeah. yeah with a well, drug... well, well I'll, I'll get the oil and give that a go but as you say it could be in the soil mm. that's what worries me but look the rest of the base of the this is a little cottage garden and I've just massed it full of pansies and lobelia and dianthus and they're thriving. Right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Try that eco oil and then and see what happens. Thank you. Thank All you right. so much. You're welcome, All right, Diana. Diana. Cheers for that. Thank you. Bye. 
Okay, let's go to North Perth. Brian, good morning. Good morning, ladies. How are you today? Very well. good, thanks, Brian. How can we help you? Um, I have trouble with gardenias too, like Diana said, but she scared the hell out of me. Or maybe I've just got a, a vivid imagination when she said her son had a big sore. Uh-huh. <laughs> She'd get him down to the doctor. Anyway, that's beside the... Beside. Uh, when, when our kids were young, my wife and I used to go camping in the goldfields a lot and we were very taken with those gum trees that when they lose their bark, they have bronze um, colour. And when the, in the evening or the morning when the sun's coming up or going down, they just glow. Yes. I was wondering if you knew what, what they were. <laughs> Brian, there are so there are hundreds of gum trees around Australia. Very often they will be um, endemic to a certain area. So there's river red gums and and then there's crosses of of gums. Um, the goldfields, did you say? Yes. Right. Okay. Some sort of mallee or something. How big would they be? Oh, they're just sort of your—they're uh, not huge, but they're sort of your good medium size out bush. They—they they could them. be mallees. All right, we'll we'll get John to do some. I've seen, research. yeah, I've seen some with like salmony hues in the in the trunk, and well, they're almost metallic-y to look at. We've got a salmon, um, a lemon-scented gum, yeah, that is have very clean bark yes. with yes. a salmon we did, we glow. Did one, we, yeah. we did have one of those. It was beautiful, except one of our neighbours gave it some special treatment and it had it carked it. So mm. yeah, it, wasn't, it wasn't that one. It's a real bronze colour they have. All right. Let's, let's see who can find out something for us or if any of our listeners know... What what yeah. Mallee trees are in the goldfields area? Was it by a river? No, just out in the open, like bush. Okay. Mm. Brown soil, you know, flat mm. brown soil. Yeah, no, glorious, Brian. Yeah. yeah. All right, leave it with us. Thank Love- you. I enjoy, I enjoy the show so much. I just wish I could write faster. <laughs> All right. Well, it's in the wrists is killing me. Well, thank you for the imagery that you've provided us this morning. I'm sure you've taken listeners on a journey to the gold fields, and and thinking of the the colours in the trunks. Yeah, it's magnificent. But we're we're have, we're going back to a new house, and we we've got a whole garden to fill. We would really like a couple of nice. Um, um, gum trees, but my wife fell in love with these years ago and so do I. They're just magnificent. Okay, all right. Well, we'll see what we can find out for you. Thank you so much for the show. I wouldn't miss it for the world. <laughs> Good Thank on you, Brian. Brian. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. bye. Okay, now we do have to have a short break. When we return, we're chatting with Cheryl about her kaffir lime tree. Curtain Radio. You're with Ray and Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening. And you can phone in and you can email us. And our email address is gardening at curtainfm.com.au. We're heading to Florit saying good day to Cheryl. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Yes. Hello. Can you hear me? Sure yes, can. We can, Cheryl. Yeah. 
Now, my kaffir lime tree has lost all its leaves but has lots of tiny little shoots on. What's the matter, please? Mm. Something sudden has happened. Yes. Uh, are you looking after your own plants or do you yes. get someone else into the garden? No, no. Okay. So have a think about what what you've done to the plant. Have you fertilised it? Have you uh, done any digging around it? Uh, it could be weather conditions. We've had frost um, and hail. Anything sudden that could have affected the root system, Cheryl? Okay. So you think I should give it a little dig up? No, no, no. I'm asking what you've done. It sounds like something has given it a shock for it to drop all its leaves. So they do have a very shallow root system. So if there is disturbance to their roots, like uh, a granular fertilizer being thrown on, that can burn the roots and you'll get a sudden leaf drop. If you've added manure and burnt the roots, the same sort of thing, or even blood and bone can have that effect. Oh, granular fertilizer, yes, we've put some on. Okay, all right. Because they are shallow-rooted, if those roots are exposed to the surface and you throw on granular fertilizer, it can burn the roots. And the tree's response to that is to let go of its leaves. So if you've had a lot of rain since then, like we have, um, you know, that's it's been and past its history. But you've got new shoots coming. Mulch. Lots of new shoots coming. Okay, that's good news. The plant is still alive. Give it some mulch and um, a wetting agent to make sure that the the soil is not hydrophobic and that should be good going forward. Thank you. All right. Thank Thanks, you. Cheryl. Good luck. Bye. Okay, bye. All right, and we will have the news coming up at 9am. Would you like to squeeze in a couple of emails if you can? Well, we have received an email. This this is from uh, late in August, and it's from Beverly. She has a teddy bear magnolia that has been in the ground for six years. She's applied trace elements, MPK, mm. dynamic lifter. All have promoted new leaf growth, but then the edges go black and three out of five trees are quite sparse hoping that we can help. And she's in Alfred Cove. So the teddy bear magnolia doesn't like uh, salt-laden winds, mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, the tree itself, it it obviously is struggling. The, the margins on the leaves appear, I think it's um, it can be built up in the salts in the soil so it may have been given too much it's also got little hedges next to it so that could be competing with the with the plant getting nutrients i'd say that it it's probably yeah the root system is probably struggling i would um either add clay compost or a wetting agent making sure the the moisture gets yeah. into the soil. They like a good it, drink. It's got a lot of competition there too, a lot of root competition. Giving it a cutback or a light prune will encourage some new growth. And I wouldn't necessarily give it too much more other than if you haven't done it for a while, a controlled release fertilizer, 
that will set the plant up and give it feeding for the next few months. But giving it a light trim will encourage some new growth. Doing that treatment to the soil will mean that the plant's got its best chance and it should come away again with a little bit more vigour. Yeah, no, they're definitely not looking too great, Mm. are they? But by the same token, it's hanging in there. It's well established. I wonder how much light it's getting. Yeah, with a a lot of things... Mm. um, you know, they will survive, but giving them a cut back after they flower or even mm. if they don't flower mm. will encourage new growth. So where you've got one branch, you end up with two. Mm. So the more you prune, the thicker the, the mm. growth gets. Ray, I've brought in some gelatin wax here and the, the flowers are quite sparse because it hasn't been trimmed. Mm. So what I will be doing with this in the very near future is I'll be picking or cutting back all the flowers, putting them in vases, and in effect that will bush up the plant Mm. so that I'll probably give it two cutbacks and then next year when it's putting on its growth, it will be bushier. The flowers will be tighter. Yeah. And and it'll be covered. There'll be more vigour in the plant. Mm. I've I had a lot of teddy bears uh at one point and yes, I used to give them I used to lot them from the top so that I could keep them in a nice shape and mm. bodied up because they tend to grow a little bit like, you know, towards that conifer shape, if you like, they sort of pointed a little like bit like a the top. pyramid. Yeah, and mm. I used to I used to lop that because I like them very full bodied. Yeah, and they cope with that very well. And the, and the best time to prune a plant is when it's young, not yeah. not wait until it's filled the gap yeah, and then, then all of a sudden you have to do this big cutback into hardwood, you know, little and often. Yeah. Okay, it's nine o'clock. Right now it's 15.2 degrees. We are shooting for a maximum of 21, mostly sunny today. And for tomorrow, Sunday, it'll be mostly sunny with a fabulous maximum of 22. And on Monday, a shower or two, maximum of 23. Then I think from Tuesday and Wednesday, we're looking at uh, a little bit of rain. And our rainfall so far for September is 42.2 mils, which is absolutely fabulous. Uh, Rodney of Waikiki called in Faye and he's suggesting gum trees being discussed could be Goldfields, York gum, Gimlet or Redwood. Yes, and John has come in on the break and also suggested Gimlet, which is Eucalyptus salubris. So there you go. Um Hopefully that that will solve that help little mystery with the garden. Yeah. Okay. In now North uh, we have Kieran Kelly online. We're talking about pruning, and we're talking about looking after our t- tools. And of course, Kieran is the chair of the Open Gardens here in WA. Kieran, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Ray, and good morning, Faye, and how are you? Yeah, very good, thank you. Kieran, we've got you here because with over 40 years of horticultural experience, we believe that you would know how to prune like a pro. (laughs) Prune like a champion. (laughs) Oh, Well, I have done a fair bit over the years, I must admit. I would think so. So what's your tips to pruning? When and why and how? Well, look, pruning is one of those, uh, projects that I, I suppose a lot of people get a little bit scared about. And I think um, one thing you must remember is that more than likely at the end of the day, no matter what how you prune, you probably won't kill your, your plant. So 
it's really a case of getting in and, and having a go. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. So normally what we do is um, we're pruning for either fruit or flower. We also prune to um, take out uh, uh, diseased and dead limbs. We plant, for, uh, we prune for structure. So that's um, giving the tree or the plant a bit of shape early in the piece. And then there's an amenity prune that is just keeping everything intact. So you're not bumping into it as you're walking past the footpath or people aren't yeah. the low branches. So, so look, Pruning is uh, certainly, um, you can be really good at it, but you don't necessarily have to be that good at it. And there's a big trend today to, to clipping and trimming and shaping, isn't there? Well, that's, you know, with the advent of uh, a lot of the topiary um, structures coming into gardens these days, we, you know, you can have the, the classic lollipop, you can have the ball shape, which is very popular these days, you've got espaliering. So all of these is done with forms of pruning. And um, with the topiary, it's probably not so, so much hard pruning, but it's more just clipping. So clipping comes into the um, into the pruning realm as well. So having the right tools, of course, would be helpful. So I treated myself this way. I've got the, the very easy hedge trimmer, which is operated by battery, mm-hmm. and that I can get a lot of mileage out, out of, of that. Mm. But... But I found that that wasn't very good for things like lamandras and the grasses. No, you you probably find there, Faye, that with your um, your trimmer, it needs to be probably slightly harder, um, harder leaf or timber, um, and you'll find that the grasses will just uh, slip in between the um, the blades of your hedges. So if you're doing that, you might be better off um, on the hands and knees with a pair of secateurs. And um, cutting moss at the base. Well, and I, a lot of it take right down to ground level and let them reshoot. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's hard work though, isn't it? Because is I, I bought some Absolutely. shears, and I find that mm. it's they're really quite jarring on my hands. Yep. Yeah, I think you probably find them at bay there. You might have to go a little bit low where it's quite dense, oh. and then just start cutting through. Um, you know, it's a bit like a you know grabbing a, a bunch of hair and just cutting it really. Um, and I suppose pruning is a bit like a haircut, you know, six mm. weeks' time, it, it, it could look better. So, all right, six weeks' time. We've got about 10 weeks to the wedding, Kieran. Mm-hmm. So if I cut them to ground level now, like, would you or is it uh, too close? What you might be wanting to do if you've got your grasses there, just to um, make sure you've got a little bit of growth, is probably just thin them out, I would suggest. Um, maybe get rid of some of the dead grass that's in amongst that, that clump. Yeah. Um, Ten weeks, if you cut things down quite low now, I mean, we're coming into the warmer period where things are starting to grow, so you will get that growth. Um, look, ten weeks, you, yes, you, you you could get, but I'd probably, if you're pruning for an event like the wedding, I'd probably be a little bit cautious and um, maybe just clean clean the clumps out. Okay. So, you know, just, you were talking about tools earlier, Um the most important, well, the most handiest tool, obviously, the one that everyone's probably got in their um, third drawer if you're not a real gardener, but on the on the bench if you are a gardener, a pair of secateurs. Yes. Um, now, we have two types there. You have an anvil and a bypass. So the bypass secateurs are like a pair of scissors, so the two blades will go past each other. Mm-hmm. Now, they're the, they're the tools that you'll be using for any fresh growth. Um, if you tend to cut old dead wood with amb- uh, with uh, bypasses. Sometimes you'll, your um, blades will open up and you won't get a clean cut, so that's where you use an anvil 
uh, style secateur, which the amber one is a, a blade, the top blade coming down onto the bottom blade. So it's uh, more of a cleaner cut for older and dead wood. You so, then need a, a pruning saw. Yes. You can have a small saw, which is normally a, a folding saw that you can keep it in the hip pouch if you want, or um, and then you may need a, a bigger saw for some of the some bigger limbs, and they're all hand saws. Just be careful with hand saws because they do tend to um, spring back on you and you can take a little bit of skin off if you're not too careful. So don't forget to wear your gloves either, personal protective equipment. Yes, it's always handy. I have taken loads of skin skin off um, yeah. on by. And how, how do you clean and look after your tools, Kieran? I, I tend to just, um, you know, look, I'm probably a little bit lazy. I, um, if you're pruning fruit trees, you probably should have some sort of sterilisation, you know, something that you can brush or or clean your tools as you're going from cut to cut. And that's mainly because what you don't want to do is increase disease as you're cutting through the timbers. Um, but sharpening is key to anything that cuts. Yeah. Um, the sharper, the better. So it's really hard. It's hard work if you're using blunt tools. But um, if you can spare the time with a uh, sharpening stone and just touching them up, and the more you do it, the easier it is because you're not trying to get something from a, a really blunt blade into a sharp blade. If you can keep touching them up as you go, um, that certainly certainly helps. And what happens to your plant or a bush if the cl- cuts that you make are not clean? What actually, what does that do to the to the Well, plant? If, you've got, if, if you've got disease in and around the bush, you can certainly transfer it uh, with your cutting cutting mm, tools. Mm. Um, and then what happens there, it gets into the into the tree or into the shrub and then it'll go through the through the um, the, the branches and you, you'll probably end up with a few more dead branches around the place. So it's just handy when you're, if you see diseased wood, to try to try to um, minimise the spread of that disease throughout the tree. Mm. And do you have a list at the moment of the plants that are needing pruning in September? Uh, look, at the moment, you probably, most people would have done their roses, but as yes. I do drive around, you'll see uh, some roses are still undone. Um, they're all starting to to, uh, to shoot off now, but it's never really too late. I mean, uh, like I said, the rose uh, plants are fairly forgiving, so they can sort of take a prune when they want. Um, hydrangeas, you would have probably done by now. Um, some of the uh, 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 perennials that are just finishing flowering, uh, salvias, you could you probably cut that back down to the ground. Grasses, as we were talking about earlier, yeah. come back down the to the ground. Uh, most fruit trees will probably be done by now. Grape vines would have been done by now. So now we're coming into spring. What we're looking for is all the new growth of probably the, the prunings that we've done in the last four to five weeks. And it's with pruning, it's really always good to probably not in the depth of winter when we haven't got any sap flow flowing through the plant. Mm. It's a little bit later. So um, most of the pruning around the place would have been done in probably the last month, I reckon. And I guess summertime is probably another time like winter when you wouldn't want to go too hard. No. No, summertime, uh, say what you really need to be careful that you could probably do some very light trimming if you if you wish, but stay away from the heavy uh, heavy prune because what happens now in the summertime, uh, especially around that uh, December, January, February, when we've got the bright, you know, the heat, um, that you can actually sun. Uh, 
cause a sunburn on the um, on the branches of shrubs or trees because what you're doing is effectively taking the shade hat off them if you're cutting off a lot of the foliage and the sun is now penetrating in, into the plant and what you don't want to do is uh, get sunburnt branches because that's then you start getting a disease uh, disease branch with it's a, a bit like sunburn where you'll find that your barks will start cracking and Karen, what are your tips for hedges? We get a lot of calls about hedges and, and pests building up inside and hedges dying. How often would you trim them? And is there any tips to, to keeping them pest-free? Um, well, the thing with hedges is that you've got a lot of plants in a very small area. So what you need to do is actually feed them probably more often than not. Um, now, you know, we always have a rule of thumb, you're better off underfeeding than over-fertilising. So you're not killing things, but a regular diluted um, fertiliser on your hedges certainly helps because because they're planted so closely together, you have all that root competition. As far as trimming going, the more you can trim, the tighter your hedge will get. Every time you um, cut, uh, you're getting another couple of shoots coming from that cut, so that's where your tightness of your hedge comes from. Um, pest and disease, look, you just really got to be vigilant uh, with it because... Uh, hedges are only one species, so you've got a type of monoculture growing in your garden. You get a disease that comes in and it'll spread spread like yeah, wildfire, yeah. really. Mm. So it's, um, I, I suppose, the the best tool in gardening are your eyes. It's, it's all about observation. Yeah, the more you can see, you can see what's happening, and then you try to prevent any of that stuff coming on. Well, I have a very easy to remember saying, and that is the best protection yeah. you can give your plants is your shadow. Ah, yes. Yes, as, as you're standing over it, looking at it. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, another, I'll tell you another pair of, uh, another thing very handy are your fingers. <laughs> tell me about it, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> handy in gardening because it's uh, tipping out, which probably doesn't get, you know, when I first started, that was something that you, you know, the tape lectures would actually have a look at your fingernails and make sure they were long enough so that you can actually tip prune a lot of plants. So people will do it with their annuals and uh, you know, perennials so that you're, you're um, tipping the, the top part out and, and, and producing it, uh, more growth. So that's another thing that people can look at is um, yeah, using your fingers and, and just pulling out little little tips as they come and, and encourage your growth. And it, that, that springs to mind the fuchsias because that was something I always... Did did with fuchsias, not so much my hedges because they're so much bigger. But when you're giving attention to a a small, pretty plant, it's much easier, isn't it? Oh, much easier. And and the benefit of it is that you will end up getting a bushier plant, yeah. and we're yes. probably talking smaller smaller shrubs and and annuals and perennials more so than um, trees and and larger shrubs. But it's certainly um, on, if you're growing annuals at the moment, um, and even people are starting to put petunias in now, just tip, don't worry about the first lots of flowers. Tip those flowers, and you'll you'll push the plant up, and and eventually you'll have um, you know, a, a lot uh, bushier shrub that you can um, enjoy all the flowers from. So, Karen, do you mean don't worry about that first lot of flowers? Cut them off. I'd cut them off. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. So as soon as you plant a seedling, it's got a couple of flowers on it. Yeah, cut them. Yep, pinch them out and, uh, and and try to get the regrowth coming in. Yeah, So Excellent. actually push the out. Great tip. Thank you. That's all right. Okay. And um, other tools, if you want to, you know, pair, oh, of yeah. lop- pair of loppers are always good. 
head shears, so you've got your your battery operated or your electric operated, but it's always nice to have a pair of hand shears because what you will find with your um, electric shears is that sometimes if they're not sharp, they'll bruise a lot of the leaf, um, and then you can you know you can get maybe get the bulk off with your, your electric shears and then come through with a nice pair of hand shears. Always good by hand. People seem to think that um, oh, I use the electric because it'd be quicker. Uh, a lot of times it's not. You can you can do just as much with um, hand shears as you can then do with a electric uh, shear. Pole pruners, obviously, and pole saws, so you don't need to climb ladders. I suspect that uh, most people listening to the show now probably don't really want to be climbing ladders. Correct. <laughs> so you don't need to get on a ladder. Yeah. Uh, a chainsaw, if, if you're uh, handy. These days now, every, a lot of things are battery, and I would suggest to most people that battery is the way to go because you're not messing around with fuels. You don't have a carburetor, not going to go. You know that when you press the button, the thing will start straight away. So, probably if you're buying stuff these days, um, uh, battery operated stuff is the way to go. Sure is. It's so much easier, isn't it? Yeah. And then one thing that you don't see very often these days, Bay, is a is a um, is a pruning knife. So, back in the days, every orchardist would have had a knife in his back pocket. So, as he made a cut on his tree, he would then um, to use a um, a, a woodworking term would arras around the wound, and that would encourage the cambium layer to um, to respond to the cut and then cover cover the wound, so helping itself. And these days, back in the day, we would have probably put a, a steri prune or um, some sort of coating over the wound, but uh, these days that's not really um, necessary. Uh, we've moved forward, and if you're pruning at the right time. While the sap flow is coming, you'll find that a lot of these wounds will, will heal themselves very quickly. And I've got a question here for you, Kieran, from Bruce in Safety Bay. When is the best time to prune hibiscus? Uh, I'll be waiting a little bit longer. They're a tropical plant. They don't mm. really like the cold. No. I'll be waiting to, uh, what are we now, September, aren't we? Sort of yeah, end of September, October, just when things are warming up a little bit more. They and- just don't want- any, any of the tropical plants that we have, that you have in your garden, just not so much during our, our winter months. I mean, we're not that cold. No. But they're, they're a tropical plant and they just like to have that sap flow. So sap flow is quite important whilst you're pruning. And what about geraniums? Uh, geraniums, I'd say uh, probably now would be a good time to yeah. uh, cut your geraniums back. You may find you'll have a few flowers still hanging around, but yeah. you've Cool to be kind sometimes. Cool um, to be kind. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, you've got to sort of sacrifice a few flowers to get the many that are going to come on. Yeah, exactly. Okay, we'll let you go. Thank you so much, Kieran. I'll just say one thing, Say uh, with the, the passing of the Queen, we near, now have a gardener as a king. That's ah. great. Yep. <laughs> a gardener as a king. Yeah. yeah. If, uh, you know, Prince, oh, well, I should say King, King Charles now, um, yes. a very good gardener, so uh, maybe uh, the gardening um, fraternity can, can rise and uh, we'll get a lot more prominence. And we've got some information to deliver on the Queen shortly after the break, so keep listening. Thanks for your time, Kieran. Thanks, Ray. Thanks, Ray. Enjoy You're welcome. Day. Take okay. care. Cheers. Bye. Bye. All right. We have to have a short break. Radio. You are with Ray and Faye. It's 24 minutes after nine. This is Let's Talk Gardening. We're straight back out to the lines. We are in Linwood. Leanne, thanks for waiting. <laughs> no problems. So some exciting news. Cycling Without Age 
and the Trishaws are giving free rides today up at Wireless Hill Park. Oh, wow. So there's some beautiful trails up there. Mm. Um, we've got the Friends of Wireless Hill um, up there as guides if anyone has any questions about what they're looking at or where to, where to find the wildflowers. Um, yeah. That's so fantastic. Leanne, when I was up there this week, I, I sort of noticed, you know, the, the many clusters of orchids and how well signposted they are. And, yes. you know, I don't get that in in our bush. Are they cultivated in some way? Do they do anything extra to, to get the multiples of orchids or are they, how natural oh. are they? That's a good question. I, um, I've been visiting up there for years and I remember, oh gosh, I've got to be going back. Oh, my daughter was in high school, so I've got to be going back at least 15 years um, when they originally planted. But I think it was more that they cleaned the weeds out of the area and identified the hot spots. Yes. Mm. And the trails went in. And as you say, it, it's signposted, but it's very easy walking um, from the car park to do the trails but as I say if there's people out there that can't walk and would like a free trishaw ride fabulous but turn up at Wireless Hill Park today between 10 and 3 p- 10 a.m and 3 p.m oh I love it um six volunteers and three trishaws waiting to take you for a ride so you get to feel Fan. the wind in your hair oh fantastic <laughs> that is awesome um, where, where did the trishaws come from um well Cycling Without Age is a worldwide organisation um, it's been going 10 years, started in Denmark, Copenhagen, and is oh. now in 58 countries worldwide. Wow. So here in Perth, we started in 2018, and we have six trishaws. Um, I'll just rattle off some of the locations, but we've, we ride from Queens Beach, Lake Munger, Lake Claremont, um, Deepwater Point at Mount Pleasant, Kent Street Weir at Canning, right near you guys on a Friday, um, Mandra, Fremantle, mm, I've forgotten anything, oh, Point Walter on a Tuesday. Yeah, so all oh. around. Yeah, um, I think I've seen you guys yeah. actually. Yeah. And how many How many people can you get on a trishaw? Is it three? Yes. Okay. Um, two. Two people on a trishaw, so you've got the pilot who pedals for you. Yeah. So you mm. get to sit back in the comfort of our, we call it our conversational couch on wheels. <laughs> it's easy access, so even those with limited mobility yes. can get in, on, into the trishaw. There's seat belts, so you don't have to wear a helmet. Got a cosy blanket if it's a bit chilly. Oh, um, you thought of everything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so predominantly for the age. So for people that can't pedal yeah, anymore, of course. those with disability, it's giving them a free outing and spreading the joy of cycling. Um, so, yeah, two people in the trishaw, as long as they are under 150 kilos maximum combined weight. Okay. And where do people find out more information if they wanted to double-check on those uh, days and times? Sure. Um, cycling Without Age Perth has a Facebook page mm. and the first post that comes up is the flyer that lists all the locations and the days. Okay, so cycling without age. Love it. Leanne, thank you so much for letting us know. Brilliant. Yes, no problem. much appreciated. Okay, get <laughs> up to Wireless Hill Park today, listeners, and hope to see you. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, Leanne. No problem. Bye, Bye. 
Let's go to Dianella. We're talking with Barbara. She'd like a little further advice about her pruned mango tree. Barbara, hi. Hi, Ma- hi, hi Barbara. Hello. It's just so beautiful outside. It's hard for me to stay inside and listen. Oh, <laughs> take your take your tranny with you. Well, I have yeah, yeah I have a radio on the back veranda, yeah. and I switch that on when I head outside, and yeah, listen. Yeah, yeah no, this one needs careful listening. <laughs> <laughs> Um, The reason I've rung is because I did a fairly radical prune. We have two mango trees, which we were advised at the time we could grow close together. One's um, an R2. I always call it the same as um, the Star Wars one, R2-D2, but it's an (laughs) R2. I can't remember what it is. The other one is the most famous one. I can't think of it, but you'd know it's the... Kensington Pride? Kensington, that's it. Now, what I've done is a radical prune because I had a grandson here at the time that could help me as I have to climb into the tree. It's too tall. It was sort of over the top of my clothesline. So it's giving the R2 a chance to get up through the Kensington, which is the stronger of the two. Happy about that, but after listening, and I have been a a bit aware of it as well, worried about the bare branches in the centre, and I know that the um, amazing Italians in North Perth will often paint their branches of the fig tree with a sort of a whitewash. Yes. And I'm wondering whether I should try and do that because I reckon this one will get burnt in the hot summer. Well, I don't think you have to worry about it right now, Barbara. I think you've probably got about three months up your sleeve. Yes. And in in that time, you should get some good cover back from those branches. So have you also... uh, you know, given the soil a tickle? Have you added a mulch? Have you given it a feed? Given um, it any the, other love? Yeah, we've got three mango trees in the backyard and they just chew up the um, lupin mulch that we put on. It just, mm. you know, it's as you know, it just you need to refurbish it. So these fellas are really well established and we, we've really just watered and weeded around it okay. and... Um, I haven't fed it, but shall shall I do that now? With an um, yes, yes. I'm just trying to think. I've got an all-purpose one in the garage I could use. Yeah, um, yeah. Certainly use up what you've got. An all-purpose food, particularly yes. for for flowering and fruiting plants. I tend yep. to go more for a controlled release food, and I would do that definitely in spring and autumn. Uh, yep. A few weeks ago, we talked to Chris Oliver and we talked about layering uh, the soil, like getting it ready so that we can keep that moisture in the soil. So layers yep. of manure, compost and clay, uh, your yep. lupin mulch and even a, a thicker, you know, a chunkier mulch on top of that. Yep. And that gives yeah. a, a good bedding going into the yep. warmer months. Okay, thanks. Thanks very much. Um, I guess these fellas just fruit prolifically, so wow. we give all the good fruit to family and friends. And I sit in front of the TV at night with the ones that have been stung by fruit fly, and I save all the good stuff, freeze it for you know um, for, for green drinks and stuff like that. But I'm a bit a wor- bit worried about fertilising them too much because I don't want too much fruit. <laughs> Oh, gee, what a problem, Barbara. Yeah, poor, poor you. Well, we try and get in before the bloody rats get in, so yeah. that's the other thing, you know. So anyway, thank you so much for your help, and I love your show. Oh, thanks, Barbara. Lovely to hear from you. Okay, thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye for now. And, of course, we could 
you know, solve her mango problem? We certainly we? could, <laughs> absolutely. And Brian has rung back from North Perth and he's very grateful for the gum tree information. Oh, that's it's well, what and, we do, Brian. And thank You're you welcome. to our listeners because not only did, yes. did John come up with the gimlet, listeners but then called in. we had people calling in and then two more or three more emails uh, along the same lines. So. And not so to forget yeah, that there is an open garden happening next weekend, the Mills Family Open Garden. So it's on the 17th and the 18th of September in Baldivis. Uh, it's in Wilkinson Road and you enter Wilkinson Road off Burma Road. And, of course, open gardens, they do have signage uh, leading you to the open garden. That's happening next weekend. Uh, looking forward to that as well. Okay, what you've got something that you'd like to say, Faith? Well, I have lots of things here that I need to say, Ray, but we cannot go past this day no. without acknowledging the passing of the Queen this mm. week, Ray. Yeah. And mm. I have some information that is pertinent to read on her claim some Interest of her, in her claims to fame, but yeah. certainly horticultural legacy. Yes. And it is more than plants named in her honour. Honor. Notably, Queen Elizabeth, a reliable long stem pink rose that much loved as a cut flower. Scarlet Queen Elizabeth, a vermilion rose that is thorny but vigorous. And Clematis Mon Montana Elizabeth, a lovely perfume clematis that's just coming into bloom in cool climate gardens. Her Majesty was also known to have stately trees no doubt planted many years over her 70-year reign her passion for trees was featured in a documentary with sir david attenborough the queen's green planet she initiated the queen's commonwealth canopy in 2015 which aimed to plant 20 million trees around the world this was followed by the queen's green canopy which began in may 2021 in the UK in honour of her Platinum Jubilee in 2022. Mm. To increase and protect native tree cover, people were urged to create this special gift for the Queen to mark her 70 years on the throne. The planting was extended to countries throughout the Commonwealth for those wishing to create a living memorial to our long-reigning monarch. Plant a tree in memory as a symbol of caring and supporting our green canopy or add one of the flowers named in her honour to your garden. Yes. And this was put together by Annette Irish and Jennifer Stackhouse and shared by Jim Fogarty this week. But John's come up with some more information mm -hmm. about her hobbies. Now, she got into gardening at the age of 91, can you believe? Yes, I can. She was also very interested in horse riding, pigeon racing, stamp collecting and then gardening. And horse racing. Yes. Mm. Uh, other things named in her honour include awards, commemoration, buildings, hospitals, schools and monuments, roads, highways, bridges and pathways, train ships and gardens, to name but a few. And when I asked John to, to find out what he could, he said that's like going to Chelsea and picking a plant. Yeah. There are so many yeah. to see. But I, think, I think the legacy she leaves behind, behind is her sense of duty. <gasps> oh, big time. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, even a couple of days ago, you know, I know that she was 96, but, mm. you know, 
to see she was her working. greeting in the new prime minister. I yes. know, I know. You it's know, just, it's just mind blowing. I felt like blowing. this is sudden. <laughs> it's very a shock. sudden. It feels very sudden. It does because we saw it? her on TV on Tuesday, didn't we? I know. Yeah, and she lived until she died. You know, absolutely. And what a way to go to mm. live to the end. Mm. Very stoic. And we have a beautiful poem that we saw on Facebook yesterday, and we will read you this, and then we'll get back into our gardening show. Philip came to me today and said it was time to go. I looked at him and smiled as I whispered that I know. I then turned and looked behind me and seen I was asleep. All my family were around me and I could hear them weep. I gently touched each shoulder with Philip by my side. Then I turned away and walked with my angel guide. Philip held my hand as he led the way to a world where kings and queens are monarchs every day. I was given a crown to wear or a halo known by some. The difference is up here, they are worn by everyone. Isn't that just the most sweetest little poem? It is. She was such a lady and that that is a beautiful such tribute. Dignity mm. and yeah, she's She's always been there in our lifetime, right? She has. She mm. has. That's all we know. That's all we know. And uh, yeah, an absolutely uh, iconic individual and I think the whole world is mourning, as we know, yeah. But as John said, and now we have a king who is a gardener. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So we'll, it'll be interesting to see how, how everything unfolds in the, in the coming year. I think it will be okay. We're in Hammersley. Lorraine, good morning. Oh, good morning. How are you? Very, <laughs> very good. Thank you, Lorraine. Yeah, beautiful day. Um, look, I've got two problems. One of them is um, the lemon tree is starting to shoot again and it really needs pruning, but I've got fruit all over it. So I just wondered, you know, can it, I still prune it later? Is your fruit ripe? Yeah, well, it's a bit difficult for me to get off by myself, actually. Okay. It could be picked, perhaps. Um Okay, well, um, if the tree is very big, that is a very good reason for pruning it. And I would prune it after the fruit has come off. So if if it is ripe, I would. And I did recently take all of my fruit off and enacted some pruning. Um, yeah, I think it, there's very dark green ones still. Oh, That's the only thing. Okay. But, you know, it... it um, you know, there's plenty of fruit there, so it doesn't really matter, I suppose. No. Thank yep. you. I'll, I'll look at that. And the other thing is I have European wasp in, in the backyard. Uh, and uh, Sorry, are they European paper wasps or European wasps? Um, it's the yellow and black. The... Um, do you know what the nest is like? <clears throat> yes, it's um, they've got a couple actually. They've built against the wall and also the fence, and they're oval and they have you know all the holes grey in colour. Okay. Yep. That's, grey. that's not so bad. Uh, that is actually a paper wasp, European paper wasp, and right. um, the the. Those wasps are predators of caterpillars and they actually sort of get wood 
uh, I've seen them on outdoor furniture scraping the wood to make their papery hmm. cells or yeah. nests. Um, yes, I've heard that actually, but it, it freaked me out when I had <laughs> my head in the garden and, and I yes. had one side and the wasps with yes. the lavender and the wasps and everything. <laughs> right, and they... Very nice. <laughs> if, well, you if you don't disturb them, they will be fine. And knowing where their, their nest is, you can avoid them. Yes, well, I've been telling everyone that they're good for the garden, you know, and and then when, you know, I had my cousin on the line while I was gardening and um, she said, oh, what sort are they? And sent me a photo and said, oh, I don't think so. And then, of course, there was no one to get in touch with straight away. Um, I couldn't, um, the only number that I could get for um, flora and fauna was in the eastern states and... Um, I don't think the Ag Department do anything now here and there was no one here so I just thought, no, I'll ring you today. So okay. <laughs> if, uh, Lorraine, if they were a European wasp's nest, the department are very interested in them. If you have a smartphone, you can sign up to the My Pest Guide Reporter app and take photos and send them off for an ID. Uh, if if you just you leave that please, say? pardon, could you repeat that please? The my pest guide reporter, and it's very easy to use. You you take a photo, as long as you don't get too close to them, they won't harm you. It, it's a bit like bees; they are protecting their nest. Right. All right. Lovely. Thank you very much for that. All good right. On. Good, good on you, Lorraine. Have a lovely weekend. You, you too. too. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> We're like a pair of twins. Okay, <laughs> back in a moment. You are with Ray and Faye. Now, if you're a Curtin FM member and you haven't won a prize in the last 28 days and you'd like a $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees to go shopping with, uh, we have a... a Interesting question for you. Another one of John's curly questions. He's wanting to make them harder and harder because he thinks they're too easy for you all. This question, I'll give I'll give you a little bit of a spiel about bigger trees as well because uh, I know at the moment they're overflowing with fabulous new stock up there and that changes season to season and as things are available. And they're also sourcing a lot of those harder to find plants as well and their online store option is going very well too so do check out bigger trees and their website and facebook page so you can learn a lot more they're open thursdays to saturdays and they're up there in pickering brook so a 75 dollars gift voucher up for grabs compliments of kerry from bigger trees here is your question in the song that won the 1970 eurovision song contest all kinds of everything Dana names two flowers in the first verse. What are they? I'll give you the question again. In the song that won the 1970 Eurovision Song Contest, All Kinds of Everything, Dana names two flowers in the first verse. What are they? Give Bev a call now on 94841927 and that $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees will be on its way to you this week to go shopping. That sounds lovely, right? Doesn't it just? It sure does. Now, we've just got an email from Karen from Queen's Park yes. and she sent in some beautiful photos of her Dutchman's 
pipe flowers, her orange tree, and also two pictures from the beautiful Salzkammergut, which is an area in the Alps where they mine salt in Austria, where she will be spending time. She's going on holidays. So we're going to miss you, Karen. Yeah. But I expect you'll probably send us an email and some lovely holiday snaps. So to Austria. So we, well, this is where she was from. Yeah, how so, magnificent. Mm. Oh, my word. So she has a question. She won't have much time to do anything in the garden for no. the time being. Shall I throw handfuls of general purpose fertiliser around the garden before I leave to help my plants until I get back? Yes, yes. absolutely. Yeah. Now well, is a do. perfect time. And it's wonderful to go away and have a holiday, but it's always lovely to come back to a garden. So sure is. that will be very exciting. Always very indeed. exciting. All right, let's go to Secret Harbour. Glenn, how are you? Yeah, good morning. Morning, Glenn. Um, yeah, I'm calling. Um, I'm in Secret Harbour at the moment at my daughter's house, but I'm going back um, to Shark Bay next week, and I've got a an R2E2 mango tree that's about four foot high but it won't fit in the back of the car um, and I'm just wondering can I chop it in the middle halfway up to get it in the back of the car or is that going to kill it? Ooh, oh, I, d- I don't know. I think that would be a bit harsh. How high up is the tr- trunk where it forks? Um, well, it hasn't forked. Um, it's just got oh. some branches sticking out. It's a single, it's it's a um, a single, um, uh, you know, sort of stalk to the top. Trunk, it's yeah. actually got a flower at the top, um, and um, but all that's coming off it on the sides is leaves, but it's four foot high. Uh, I, I wouldn't let it flower. Why? Well, tell you what, I've fitted a lot of things in the car over the years. Why won't it fit in the car if it's only four foot? It's um, in its pot. Um, it's too high for the back of the car. So okay. um, I measured it the other day and I'm going to have to cut it about two-thirds of the way up. What about if you were to take it out of the pot, wrap it in hessian and lay it mm, like in the passenger seat? Um, the, um, um, <laughs> I, would, um, I would do that, but um, my wife usually crams so much gear in the back of the car when we travel north there's not enough room for a car and eggs. Um, <laughs> well, I'd leave the eggs out and, yeah, and just exactly. take the mango. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Look, so, if well, that was me, I'd let your wife drive. I would sit in the passenger seat. I would have the, the root ball between my feet and I would have the trunk up over my shoulder. Okay. Yep. Can you do that? Yeah, I probably can. It'll curl a little bit at the top, but that won't matter. No, that's um, right. And if you take it out of the pot, you'll have a little bit more flexibility than, yeah, you'll just have more flexibility, I think. Yeah, okay. It's about it's about a, an eight-month-old plant, um, mm. and it's been sitting down here since I bought it. Um, and um, But it seriously looks like it's got flowers on it, so it looks like it'll probably produce fruit this year. Coming. Yeah, no, don't don't let it. It sounds too young, but Glenn, you can do this. Let us know when you get to Shark Bay. 
Okay, I'll give you a call. Thank you. Okay. Hilarious. All right. All the best, Glenn. Thank you. Bye. What does he mean he can't fit in a mango? <laughs> he doesn't know how we how we operate, clearly. Now, we do have a winner of the Bigger Trees voucher, Linda of Naranda. Congratulations, Linda, and that voucher will be on its way to you this week. The question was, in the song that won the 1970 Eurovision Song Contest, All Kinds of Everything, Dana names two flowers in the first verse. What are they? The answer is snowdrops and daffodils. So Dana won the Eurovision Song Contest when she was a teenager. She's an Irish singer. Her full name is Dana Rosemary Scallon. And she actually went into politics later on in her life. She has an interesting life. She's still alive. And she was born in 1951. And it's a very pretty song if you haven't ever heard it. Uh, yeah, all kinds of everything. Oh, okay. that sounds lovely. Yes. All right. Now, I think we need a break. And then I think we might talk about some of these gorgeous flowers you brought in today. And I know we do have some emails as well. Radio. All right, we've got about seven, eight minutes left of Let's Talk Gardening. We're in Mandra. Maggie, good morning. Oh, good morning, girls. Morning. Um, look, my poor old passion fruit, I've got a sunshine special. It's still got, I've picked off about 60 already, but it's still got about 70 on. And they're almost as big as um, avocados. But where the stem comes up really big, thicker than my arm, and then it goes out either side, the whole vine is about 30 foot long. 30 foot right across the back fence but the only good part of it since the rain and the freezing cold and the hail and everything else almost all the leaves have fallen off it's only the sticks the stems there but I've still got 60 something passion fruit still sitting there and they're gradually falling off every day because uh, they ripen at this time of the year but it was much colder than before so Mm. As to when whether I want to cut it back, what the story I want to know is when I want to cut it back is the part that's good is just about where it comes up on the lattice and then it goes straight across the fence all across each way. Where do you call, call a third of it? Okay, you Maggie, know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't cut it while you've got the fruit on it if no, you no, want I to keep that fruit. That. Okay, so. But, just stems, no leaves. Right. How old is it? Uh, two years. Oh, okay. I'd probably be getting ready to plant another one. Um, when you cut it back, probably cut about 20 to 30% off the ends and see if it regrows. If it's lost all its leaves, yeah, um, yeah just... It hasn't lost them. The funny part of it is where it comes up from the stem and grows up on the trellis and then I've put trellises both sides right across the fence, it's gone out about six feet from the the main vine where the stem is. About six feet from that, it's just sticks. But then from there on, I've got about 15 feet of really good green with all the the, um, the fruit on it. And if I cut it back there at that end, all I'm going to end up with is stick. So do I cut that good bit off with all the leaves or where do I go? (laughs) No, and not now, okay? So I wasn't going to do it now. I've still got all my passion fruits. And what I'm doing, they are falling off when they're fairly – they're coming a little bit yellow, but I just stick them on the windowsill in the sun and they just come yellow. Yeah. I I don't know what has happened uh, for it to have lost its leaves where the sticky bit is. 
don't make a decision now. No. Just wait until that fruit has either ripened or or fallen off. And yeah. by then the weather will have warmed up, you will have fed it and you may get some regrowth or or later we'll decide about when to cut it, where to cut oh, it. All right. Well, once all the fruit's off, I'll ring you again. Yes. And let you know. If, because one end of it, about right out past 20 feet from the thing, it's masses of leaves. Nothing's fallen off there. But yep. that would have got more sun. Yep because it's on the back fence away from the sun in the winter, and that would have got more sun because it came down the side of the north side of the house. Okay. Um, thanks, Maggie. We've got to wriggle on, love. Okay. Right Thank you for your call. I'll call you later when I need to cut it. Cheers, off. Take thanks, care. Thanks, Maggie. Thank Bye. 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 Okay. Now you've got a couple of emails yes. you wanted to. Just want to get through these, Ray, if we can. Uh, this has been sent in from Peter, who was up at Araluan during the week. And she has sent in a photo of the beautiful buds of a Gaimea lily, which is actually an Australian native plant. It's very they tall, put isn't up, it? Put, they're a spiky plant, and mm. they put up a massive flower spike with oh, beautiful my word. Look at this. red flowers. Oh yes! Can you imagine when that opens? Yes, <gasps> they they are such a feature at Araluan. Just oh, amazing displays. Okay. So Jenny has sent us in a photo of a Roundup Selective Lawn Weed Killer for Lawns. And this says visible results in seven days and it's buffalo friendly. So she wants to know, is it safe to use? Well, based on... What is it? It's a weed killer for buffalo lawns. Okay. So it's not going to hurt your buffalo. Mm. So I guess that is safe to use for the Mm. purpose of not killing your lawn. Mm. Now, uh, another happy customer, Kay Smith, has been up to bigger trees after winning a voucher. Her daughter and sister-in-law went with her and they had a great time looking at all the different I, plant I varieties. they did. <laughs> and from the look at that photo, as yeah. Dalton said, she had quite the haul there yes, of goodies. Done, done wow. very well, including yeah. a beautiful fuchsia. Mm. There's indoor plants. Uh, well, they have a great just, array of indoor plants and, and pots and all those goodies to go with it. Yeah, and the lovely Mona Lavender. Mm. So she's bought about seven beautiful plants, Gosh. bottle of trace elements and some rooting hormone. Had a lovely chat with Kerry, mm. who was really helpful and friendly. Thank you once again for this fantastic voucher and your amazing gardening show. So thanks to Kay. Thank you. That, that's it for the emails that we can get through today, Ray. With one minute to spare. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, you brought in all these gorgeous flowers. Can you just very quickly talk about what we've got? Well, we've got natives, Grevillea, Geraldton Wax, yes. Eremophila, Pamelia. What's got, Pamelia? Uh, the little rice flower, pink, oh, brings in the very, butterflies. Very and they're, they're a lovely compact little plant. Do like uh, that. We've got the fragrant pink butter jasmine. I love the fragrance. We've got a buddleia just coming buddleia into is divine. Beautiful burgundy. To flower. The uh, flowering plum is bursting now. Yes. The alstomeria, these are on steroids. It's the, beautiful. The gorgeous red flowers. We've got camellia japonicas, lantana, great border plants too if you want living mulch and yeah. splashes of colour. You've got whites and pinks. Uh, lavenders, nasturtium, and of course we'll be pickling capers too. Uh, the oh, forgotten the Convulvus. name. Convolvulus. Convolvulus. Yeah, white flowering yeah. silver and foliage. That, that's great bang for buck. That one. 
osteospermums are bursting now, begonias, lovely patio plants, calanchoes, crassulas, aloes, geraniums, strelitzias, Good grief, allison. Girl. And I didn't even get to my bulbs this morning. No, I know, but it's just <laughs> spread across the whole I know. panel here. It just And I've been staring at it all day. It looks absolutely amazing. Okay, it is time for us to go. Uh, I can see that Jim is chomping at the bit. Thanking Bev Daring and John Glidden and thank you, Fayakaro, for a busy morning. And here's my gardenism. A taste of spring, birds singing, grass greening, colours blinging, nature's springing. And if you saw the panel and the desk in here, you could uh, see very much that. And yes, indeed, nature is springing. Jim Crinan is joining you next with the classic 70s. Then from 12 noon, we do go country with Brendan T and Born in Boots. Happy gardening, everyone. Been a great morning. Thank you for your company. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.